0: This is Max Castellanos, El Chingon de Texas. This is the Firestarter, Jake Chris.
1: This is ECW Original, The Enforcer, C.W. Anderson.
0: And this is Gringo
1: Loco. This is former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Tim Storm, and you're listening to the Wrestleville
0: Podcast. <music> Vinnie Berry, and for more than 20 years, I've covered news and sports, specializing in pro boxing, MMA, and wrestling. This is Keith Elliott Greenberg. This is Miss Reality, Maddie Wankowski. Listen to stories from pro wrestling on the Russellville podcast. This is the golden boy, Greg Anthony. To listen, go to Russellville.com or on Spotify. Russellville, it's where wrestling lives. The Russellville podcast. Now that my friends is just incredible.
1: Hey, this is Solomon Grundy and you're listening to
0: Russellville. You're listening to the Russellville podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry, and my guest this episode is Solomon Grundy. Professional wrestler from 1986 to 2004, Solomon. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing, Vince? Uh-huh. I'm good. I'm good. Hey, thank you for giving me your time. Thank you for talking to me today. Oh, thanks for
1: contacting me. I'm I'm happy to talk about uh, wrestling at any time.
0: Well, you had an interesting career. You know where you you started in and what I guess. At one time it was world class championship wrestling. But was it, was it called world class championship wrestling when you got there or was it changing? Uh, well, it,
1: it started out as, uh, Wild West wrestling in
0: Fort Worth. And
1: then, uh, I guess Ken Mantel made a deal with, uh, Fritz over there in Dallas. And then we all went to world class and they opened, it, they kept the school, uh, the, the school open and. And they were using students with, with the, with the veterans, which I thought was a good idea, you know, and that seemed to be, uh, you know, working pretty good. And, you know, they were getting TV again and, uh, syndication and, and all that stuff. So, uh, and then, and then they hooked up with, uh, uh, the guys in Kansas city with Bob, Bob Geigel.
0: Well, tell me some of the guys that. The wrestlers that were,
1: well, we had, we had missing link. We had, uh, Wild Bill Irwin, Terry Gordy, Michael Hayes. Kerry was there. Kevin was there. Jack Victory, John Tatum. So, I mean, it was a variety of, and then guys were coming in. Kamala was coming in, you know, so it, it, it was, uh, they were trying to get things, uh, you know, back to, back to the eighties, I guess you want to say. So you know it was it was good man cuz it was night nice. killer tim brooks uh i mean it was nice to work with all those guys that you know
0: you saw on tv you know right so, very very talented uh crop of guys that you've mentioned right. yeah yeah
1: absolutely all veterans you know and then they were put them with a rookie and or have them work with a rookie or or uh, you know something like that and
0: it, it seemed
1: to be uh, people enjoyed it you know it was different right.
0: I wanted to uh, I want you to kind of describe because you were a big guy right uh, yeah, I, was, I don't know what you were weighing what were you weighing at that time
1: uh, I was 505
0: wow and wow what know. are you today
1: uh, 250 wow you lost like I lost two, people. two people and a midget uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I lost, yeah. That's what I say. I lost two people in a midget somewhere. Man. Actually, I've dropped down to two thirty one. So,
0: yeah, it it's so different for me now, you know. And for those who, you know, are listening to this, who might have seen you go ahead and uh, describe, you know, what you look like and, and what you were wearing, because. To me that's pretty significant you you stand out in my mind i remember watching you on television a time or two and i remember uh the way that you were dressed describe that well, for us
1: well i i had uh overalls and no shoes and a and a big old uh cowbell and uh like had, a country boy yeah just a country boy and um uh, i didn't i didn't wear no shoes you know it's kind of like kevin uh but um yeah, I just, you know, just good old boy, you know. I, I was raised on a farm, and and so, you know, that's kind of how I went out there, man, because that, that's that's what I knew, you know. If you're going to live
0: a gimmick, you might as well live a gimmick, you know. And what I found interesting about you, Solomon, was that I guess you wrestled in the States for for a couple few years, and then uh, you went off to Mexico and, and worked there for quite some time. I found that very interesting. How did that all come about?
1: It was, uh, 89 and, uh, I had left Tennessee because that wasn't,
0: you know,
1: wasn't working out. And, uh, so, uh, a friend of mine that he's an American, he lived in Guadalajara and he was here and he said, Hey, uh, you got a tape? I'll take it to the promoter in Guadalajara. I know him. I'm like, oh, okay. So I give him a tape of me working in Dallas. Next thing I know, he, I mean, he came back because he would, he would come here and buy stuff and take it back or whatever. And so, uh, he came and he says, uh, are you ready to go? And I'm like, go where? And he says, uh, go to Guadalajara. You're going to start working there. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, okay. So I rode the bus from here to, uh, Guadalajara which is like 20 hours, man. So I get there and the guy says, uh, oh, no, you're not supposed to be here. You're supposed to be in Mexico City. I'm like, where the hell is that, you know? I mean, it was, you know, really just he gave me the start date. I never talked to a promoter. And he said, just tell him to come. We'll pay for his bus ticket or plane ticket, whatever. And uh, when he gets here, his hotels and everything. And I'm like, are you sure, dude? You know. So I got there. They give me the money for my bus ticket. They flew me to Mexico City, and I started at the uh, CMLL uh, that Friday, and I stayed there for eight years, man, in and out wow. of there. Yeah, and- it, it was it was the best uh, best thing that ever happened to me. What was the biggest difference in
0: in you know, I guess the way they ran things over there than they did over here in the states.
1: Uh, the biggest difference is, uh, they, uh, you know, it's two out of three falls every night, man. Not, you know, whether you're doing TV or they didn't really like, oh, we gotta get this, that's 10 minute match or whatever. Man, those guys don't, you know, they, they didn't care about time, you know. And, you know, the the size of the guys, obviously, but, uh, uh, you know, it, it was just a totally different uh, atmosphere. Uh, you know, you're, you're in a building with uh, 18,000 and you're the only white guy. You know, you're like, oh, well, uh, you know, and I didn't speak any Spanish when I got there. And they didn't speak any English. Oh wow. The all the boys uh back then in the 90s, they didn't speak any English. Now like now now like their boys now that are working uh like, you know, they speak both languages, which makes it easier for Americans to go in there, you know. But mm-hmm. when I got there, when I got there, man, they let I was on my own. I had to find my own way around. Uh I had to, you know, everything was hard, dude. Very hard. You know, for instance, uh I was there at the hotel for like uh probably uh three months and uh one day I'm you know there I got my door open and I kept I kept smelling like I said, man, I smelled a Big Mac and fries, you know, I'm like, what the hell, you know, or maybe I'm going crazy, you know, cause I hadn't ate that stuff, you know, and so I kept smelling it and smelling it. And so I decided I'm going to go, I'm going to follow this. <laughs> so I walked down to the end of the, the, uh, where the, where I could smell it, you know, in the room and there was, uh, Ken Timms and the, uh, LA police. They're all eating McDonald's. Hell, I didn't even know there was a McDonald's in Mexico City. Oh, wow. And I was five minutes from it, and I never knew it, man. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, hey, take the cab five minutes. Go get one. I'm like, I'm out of here. And I'd never met any of those guys either, you know. I started working with Ken Timms there, uh which was great. You know, another American came in. And he came in and out of there also, but he was the only one, and he would bring guys in you know uh so but uh yeah i I really really i just you know you know how you go to a place and you just find a house i mean like I've been here before, and I love this place, you know it it was one of those types of feelings you know that's that's how I felt about that place man, and because i I had a lot of trouble getting work in the states for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason was, but you know, after I left uh, Ken, uh, Tennessee and World Class, and I just couldn't get booked anywhere, man, at all. So uh, when I went there, man, it was just a just a, a blessing, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, so. and and the the style, I you know, when when you you say you know Mexican wrestlers and wrestling in Mexico, automatically, I I think. Luchador style, right? And I'm sure there was a lot of that. Did
1: you pick up any oh, yeah. of that? Those guys adapted to me. Um they adapted to my style uh because because uh you know Andre had been there and uh uh Yokozuna and all that, but so they adapted to uh to my style. I didn't have to adapt to their style. They they knew uh, how to work with a big guy, you know, from working uh-huh. with from working with Andre and um, guys like that, you know. So uh-huh. it really wasn't a problem for them for them, you know. Uh, I think sometimes uh, here in the states the guys were afraid because of my size I was going to hurt them or something. I I don't really know. That's how I felt. I don't know if that was true, you know. Right. <clears throat> but uh yeah, it was it was um you know, it was it was really good for me, man. Uh so they adapted to me. More more than I adapted to them. And and were you a
0: heel or a baby face over there?
1: I went in and the promoter said, "Well, we like to start you out as a baby face, but the crowd will turn on you after the first match after the first few times you work as a baby face will they'll turn on you i'm like why and they said uh they just don't like americans i'm like okay well well i'm gonna i'm gonna work a baby face the whole time i'm and they're like no uh, well you can try and i'm like i'm gonna do it you know so I, i started i worked baby face and and that's I worked babyface my whole career, man. Over there? Uh, yeah, I was the first American babyface over there. Kids loved me. Kids, I mean, I I attracted uh, kids like you would not believe, man. I couldn't I couldn't even walk down the street. What do you
0: think it was that you did different? Because if if the the guys over there, the promoters are telling you it ain't gonna happen what- What do you think that you did different that you were able to remain uh, a good guy wrestler i you know
1: what i i don't I have no idea i I don't know if it was the five hundred pounds or because everywhere i went man it uh you know they they had to come and touch me to see if i was real like i mean they they would you know literally come and grab my midsection and like squeeze me like, you know, like, like the Pillsbury dough boy to see if th- all that was real, you know, and, and like downtown, like in a part of downtown where they processed chickens, they would have me get on those, do you, you remember the old cotton scales with yeah. the, the, with the weights, they would have me get on that and see how much I weighed and, it was hilarious dude. It was, it was, they they were like, Get on, get on and and then there'd be a crowd gathered around, and they'd put those big old weights on there hundred kilos two hundred kilos and and all of them would be you know
0: hey yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: they'd be cheering and and you know I never had to when I was there, man, I never paid for food uh anything I, it was unbelievable man. Uh, Unbelievable.
0: How, how, you know, you say you, you didn't pay for food. I mean, how did you eat? Who took care of you? Well, I mean, anytime I went into a restaurant or uh, somebody, uh,
1: would invite me to their house or, or, uh, these restaurants, I I would, they wouldn't charge me. If I signed the autographs for them, I I get a, a free roasted chicken or, or a meal, or whatever. Yeah, it's like this celebrity status gone
0: wild, man. Right, and I was going to say that you were you were a big deal down there, Solomon. Right? Isn't yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Isn't yeah. isn't not is uh, isn't that interesting though? That here you were in your states, and this isn't the first time I've heard this story. I just recently talked to a guy from Georgia. And he goes to Japan and wrestles and he says as soon as I hit the airport, as soon as I get off the plane, he goes, I'm a big deal over there, but I don't get that attention over here.
1: So weird, man. I don't understand it. You know, you're you're here in the States, you're doing the same same thing and it's you know, you're just one of the guys, right? And as soon as I cross the real brandy, man. Uh, well, I mean, it's just crazy town. It, it, I I never I never understood it. I I I never got it, but it it's that's how it is, man. I mean, they didn't even check me at immigration.
0: Uh yeah, come on by.
1: Yeah, I mean not, nothing. N not, didn't check you at immigration, uh or you know, Uh, you're in a car and they make a wrong turn down a one way or the cop sees you uh, you sign a couple of autographs and they stop traffic turn your car around and you're on your way (laughs) you know uh it's it's just crazy man i had to actually like like i couldn't go out in the daytime or it'd be it'd be crazy right so I'd have to wait till, you know, nine, 10 o'clock at night to go out if I was going to go out. Otherwise, I just I just stayed in my hotel. And then I would have to change hotel rooms, uh, because people would find out where he lived and then, you know, they're bringing their kids and, you know, I, it's just crazy. <laughs> uh, but I thank God we weren't there much, you know, because, uh, uh, it, when I got there and started working, uh, the business was down, uh, really down. And, uh, when I got there and, uh, started working, well, it ended up, we, we were doing, uh, they ended up having 250 guys in the office, uh, workers. Oh wow. And 60 different plazas, like, or arenas. So, so like, you could be in three different towns in one day. And, and that's not, that's, that's like, I mean, like, they say A, B, and C group, you know? But to me, if, if anybody from the A worked with the B or the B or the A, you could, you'd sell out. All
0: those, all those places were sellouts, yeah. You know? what, what do you think – when you, you said that the business was down, and definitely at that time, too, in the United States, wrestling was a little down, too, right? Because the territories right. just they, – they dried up. And what do you think it was, the uptick in the business down there?
1: I'm not sure if it was, you know, a combination of, like, me, Conan, Vampiro – just the right timing,
0: you know, for it to
1: come back. But, I mean, it's weird that I came in and a month later, business is up, you know, uh, like 80% selling out arenas. Uh, You know, they, they had so many people at the anniversary show that one of the sections in the arena collapsed. Oh, wow. I mean it was crazy man. There were so many people inside and outside uh that and that's a and that's an old uh, uh cement structure, you know, it's all cement and that cement uh block collapsed. Uh it was pretty scary, man. But you know, I, I mean you can be sitting in a locker room and and an earthquake can happen. Yeah, you know, sure. Over there. Yeah, it, it, it was just crazy, man, what all this stuff that was, uh, how crazy stuff was over there,
0: man. When you talked about the building collapsing, were there injuries or deaths in that or, I mean, how,
1: no, how... No, no injuries, no deaths. They just, uh, they brought in the, uh, like here, you know, they, the fire department came and, uh, check out the building. They said it was okay, and and uh, things resumed to normal. So, you know, we had like over twenty-two thousand at an anniversary show. Mm. If we went to, uh we would do uh once a month. Go to Monterey and work at the Plaza de Toros, which is a bull ring, right? There'd be, there'd be 30,000 people there, man. At, at a show. You know, it's just, just crazy. You know, I mean, as soon as the bullfights were over, they threw down some cardboard on the dirt with the blood and the poop and the everything else, and you worked right there that night. They didn't, they didn't have, it, it's it just crazy, man. Uh, cause the, those people would be going out and, Wrestling people would be going in, you know. It's just and two different styles of of people, you know. Right. The the, the bullfighting people were upper upper the, you know, and the the wrestling crowd was, you know, from the barrios, you know, from the hood. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I really 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 enjoyed. That. I would have stayed there if I if I could have that place started falling down when uh they started bringing in
0: all the americans is that right why, why do you say that
1: well you know Paco, which was the the guy in charge he said hey i'm going to bring in this guy and this guy and this guy and i'm like oh man don't don't bring in all these americans you know cuz uh the pharmacy was wide open there I mean, you could get anything you wanted there. And the guys that he was wanting to bring in, you know, were, I'm, I'm like, oh my God, this is going to be a disaster, man. I hope you don't have a death on your hands. You know, at the time, he, uh, like they, uh, Jake came in, Art Bar, you know, it, it just wasn't a good, good environment for those guys that I saw, you know. So you know, and sometimes Americans just go in and I'm an American, you know but they don't understand that you're you're in a foreign country, so your American rules don't apply over there. You know. Right. I'm I'm special. I, right. You know, and they and they forget to understand that. Right. You're so special yourself behind bars. Yeah yeah exactly like a guy uh that got there one day do you know where I can get some some uh marijuana I said yeah I know where you can get some I you go down to the banana man there's some some bananas there that are black it looks like they've been there for two or three years and you ask him for one joint don't get any more than that because this is the federal this is a federal cop hotel where they keep, you know, this is where they stay. So, so he comes back, knocks on my door, come, come down to my room. I no, oh, I don't want to. No, no, you got to come and see. You got to come and see. I went down there. He said, look what I got for $50. He's got a 32 a gallon trash bag full of marijuana. I said, I told you to get one joint and you're coming back with, you know, Stuff like that went on, you know. You're like, ah, oh, you're on your own, dude. <laughs> but that's the, that's the type of stuff that ruined that place, you know. Right. So I, I don't know, man. It's just too bad it happened, you know, mm-hmm. that way. And how many years did you stay over there, Solomon? I, I was there eight years, in and out, in and mm-hmm. out of there. I went to Germany and South Africa in between that, that times uh holland and france so you know i I worked over there but uh and i always wanted to go to japan but i never never got to so that was the only uh only thing that uh i really really wanted to do was go to japan and i I never got to so that's just one thing you know (laughs) not everybody gets to go and not, and not everybody can go to Mexico. I've seen a lot of guys go and they just couldn't take it, man. It was so different. And, you know, the food, the travel, uh, cause you're riding buses all the time. Uh, nice buses. Not when I first got there in 1990, they were not. You rode on there with the chickens and goats, but uh as As a few years went by that buses got really good now uh but but uh, I've seen a lot of americans uh just just couldn't take that place man It was just something about it uh didn't agree with them you know Jack was one of them Jack was like, actually, I, I can't take it here, man, so he left you know uh but it's not for everybody,
0: right. And and you said that you never got to Japan, but you got to a lot of places that just even if you're not a wrestler, people don't get to go, you know, Germany yeah. and you know, yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. I, I that is true. I, I was you know, I I shouldn't even complain really, uh, <laughs> you know, but we have to. We didn't get to do what we wanted, but uh, and and you know what, maybe it wasn't uh, meant for me to do that, you know, right, but. But it w- it would have been nice. But, uh, yeah, I got to go to, uh, I got to go to Johannesburg and Durban and Cape Town. And, you
0: know, I was over there with Tony Atlas. Do you know Tony? I, yeah, I, I, I know who he is. Uh, let me ask yeah. you this. Did you know, did you know the giant warrior?
1: Yeah. Jeff, Jeff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Jeff I, I
1: worked with Jeff in uh, Monterey. Okay. Yeah. Great guy. Great guy. Uh, worked with Giant Warrior, and I worked with uh, Ray Mysterio, and Eddie, and Eddie Guerrero. And, I mean, I, I, I worked with Ray Mysterio when he was 14 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Neil Mascaris, Haku. You know Haku?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I know who
1: he is. Yeah, you know, Art Bar, Love Machine, uh, Vampiro, Conan, you know, there was a lot, a lot of guys. uh, uh, I I worked with, you know, that, uh, and you know, I started out in Dallas with uh, Undertaker when he still had a flat head, flat head, top haircut, man, you know, and uh, so you know, but a lot of guys would not go over to Mexico. So, you know, better for me, I guess. So, but, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed my time there. I, I, I really would have just, uh, if I could have just stayed there though, my whole career, you know, but that, that didn't work out either. You know, later on in the years went by, the too much politics got in there with the americans that's mm-hmm. the other that's the other thing that hurt that place was the politics from the americans
0: when when your career started to wind down in in wrestling what what was that like and and did you kind of see the the writing on the wall or how did that all come about
1: a guy named Ken Johnson called me and he said hey you want to uh come in and work for Shawn Michaels. And I said, Yeah, sure, why not? You know, I'm not doing nothing. And uh Sean was gonna make me a heel. And I go, I don't work heel. You know, I'm not gonna change now, right? Uh so uh Sean says, Oh okay. Then you can leave and I go, Okay, I'll leave. and no big deal to me. I'm not gaining nothing here anyway, you know. Uh, so then he says, oh no, 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 never, never mind. You just stay, you just stay. First they had me doing singles, um and I was getting over, you know, cause he had a, uh, TV at midnight and they were doing just towns here in Texas. And, and it was getting over, you know. And then they brought in, uh, Tugboat Taylor. Do you know who he is? I do. He's, che- uh, Ches Chaz's dad. Right. Okay, so Tugboat was there at a show and I was there at a show and there was a guy named, uh, a referee, or uh, named Harold Harris. Actually, if you watch some Wild West tapes, he's on those, he's the black referee on there. And, uh, he says, he went to Sean, he says, Hey, why don't you put these two together, uh, and call them the buffet brother? and then they can pull out this uh ice chest and the midget can pop out of it with uh sandwiches. I'm like, what the, so we did that. So son said, Hey, that's a good idea. So they were gonna do TV taping. So we both went out there in our overalls, we're pulling the ice chest. We set the ice chest up on the apron and the midget pops out with two subway sandwiches The people went nuts man They loved it so that's what we we would do you know all, all over these little towns you go out there and you know sometimes we'd have subway sometimes we'd have giant snicker bars or whatever you know just something giant and uh we'd sit down in the audience and eat popcorn with the with the people you know or drink their beer or whatever you know they loved it man that's uh we did I did that from like uh
0: probably 2002 to
1: 2004 so I I enjoy I really enjoyed that because you know you didn't have to uh, you weren't working a lot. You were work, you know, like maybe three times a month or something. Short, short shots and you're home. No big deal. And, and it, and, and that, that gimmick was getting over, but, uh, Tug was pushing Sean. I, hey, when are you going to get us a shot in New York? And I'm like, shut up, dude. You know, just chill. You know, that, That'll come if it comes, you know, don't stop, stop torturing him, you know, to get you in New York. Well, you know, that, that his thing was he just wanted to do one shot and, you know, that'd be over, you know, but that's not the, that's not the process, you know, you, you know, uh, the process is you get there and you, and you work, you know, for at least six or eight months, you know. not one, not one shot. Oh, but yeah, that didn't, that didn't pan out because his Booker Paul Diamond, you know, which if you want to call him a Booker, I don't know. But that's another story. You know, things didn't work out there, and they just started using uh, his students to run shows with, and let everybody else go. You know that's the way that goes. So that, that was the, basically that was the end of my career, you know, dropped the belt and was done.
0: So when you, you look back over your career and, you know, uh, sounds like you enjoyed it, you know, you sounds like it, it, it it really sounds like it went longer than you thought it was going to go. Right. Yeah. It, it It actually,
1: you know, because in this business, you can have some, Dark depressing days you know when you're not you don't know what your future is uh you're not even getting booked, and then you know you five minutes later you're or it seems like five minutes later you're in Mexico and you're you know like a superstar and uh actually they you know and then you're traveling you're hey you want to get booked in Germany, hey you wanna go to south Africa hey you wanna you know you're like oh i'm on the i'm on the roll now uh so you know you know this business is so up and down you know and and then there's a lot of guys that are really good talent that never ever ever make it you know i mean i was i wasn't uh you know i couldn't like you know i wasn't getting an olympic wrestler or i i had charisma and i had uh something that the people liked and you know uh so you know it got over and i made a career out of it going to all those places you know
0: it sounds like an
1: amazing time well i i you know i really i really uh have to look back and say you know i i made it and uh had a good time and uh met my wife and uh been married 30 years to her so you know what else can you ask for
0: sounds good man well hey i enjoyed talking to you i appreciate you sharing me a little bit of your story with me it it was fascinating
1: well i I appreciate you contacting me and you ever want to do another one let me know and we'll hook it up again
0: hey sounds good sounds good you're listening to the Wrestleville podcast, where wrestling lives. Have you ever wondered what happened to Lance Von Erich? Find out in his book, Lance by Chance: Wrestling as a Von Erich. You'll read stories about Chris Adams, Ric Flair, and Billy Jack Haynes, and of course, the Von Erich family themselves. Get your book today on Amazon.